0: At LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
1: You are listening to the next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Isle of Dogs. The Japanese archipelago, 20 years in the future. Canine saturation has reached
0: epidemic proportions. An outbreak of dog flu rips through the city of Megasaki. Mayor Kobayashi issues emergency orders, calling for a hasty quarantine. Trash Island becomes an exiled colony. The Isle of Dogs.
1: I don't think I can stomach any more of this garbage.
0: Exactly. Words out of my mouth. Nobody's giving up around here, and don't you forget it, ever. You're Rex, you're King, you're Duke,
2: you're boss.
0: I'm Chief. We're a pack of scary, indestructible alpha dogs.
2: Atari Kobayashi, you heroically hijacked a junior turboprop XJ750 and flew it to the island because of your dog. dog. Darn it. I've got a crush on you.
1: We get the idea. You're looking for your lost dog spots. Does anybody know it? No, 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 no. I've lost all
0: of my pride. Spots, if he's alive, may very well be living even at this moment as a captive prisoner.
2: Somebody is up to something. Will you help him? <laughs> the little pilot. Why should I? Because he's a 12-year-old boy. Dogs love those.
0: We'll find him. Wherever he is, if he's alive, we'll find your dog. It's going to be a fight. I wish somebody spoke his language.
1: Ow.
0: To the north, a long rickety causeway over a noxious sludge marsh leading to a radioactive landfill polluted by toxic chemical garbage. That's our destination. Great. Got it. Get ready to jump.
1: All right, everyone, you were just listening to the trailer for Isle of Dogs, and the story is as follows. When, by executive decree, all the canine pets of Megasaki City are exiled to a vast garbage dump called Trash Island, 12-year-old Atari sets off alone in a miniature junior turbo prop and flies across the river in search of his bodyguard dog, Spots. There, with the assistance of a pack of newly found mongrel friends, he begins an epic journey that will decide the fate and future of the entire city. The film is starring Brian Cranston, Edward Norton, Bill Murray, Jeff Goldblum, Ken Watanabe, Greta Gerwig, Francis McDorbitt, Courtney B. Vance, and a few others. It is written and directed by Wes Anderson. Joining me for this review, I have JC Aldridge.
2: Hello, everybody.
1: And JC, I take it that uh, you're not alone for this review. Is there a canine <laughs> joining us for this?
2: We have two canines joining us.
1: Are they going to make an appearance? Um,
2: Their names are Luna and Loki. They might. You know, they might just put their opinion in. Who knows?
1: All right. They're
2: unpredictable.
1: I am very much interested in hearing your opinion on Isle of Dogs. Um, Just to preface for saying, I saw this film about a month ago. JC, you saw it this week. Um, So my memory might be a little bit more hazy on it. I've got my notes, though, from my screening from when I saw it. But... Before we actually talk about the movie itself, I'm curious to know your thoughts on Wes Anderson, the filmmaker, and other movies that he has put out before you saw Isle of Dogs. So if you could just start us off with that.
2: Absolutely. So I actually just saw Fantastic Mr. Fox for the first time ever. I think actually it was right after um, y'all released the Throwback podcast, and I listened to it and I was like, oh my gosh, I really need to watch this movie. What's wrong with me? Because I had seen Moonrise Kingdom in the past. And and I enjoyed Moonrise Kingdom. Um, but I didn't really know. I'd heard great things about Fantastic Mr. Fox. And I didn't realize how much I was actually going to love it. I think Wes Anderson is so whimsical in his filming style. And I just, I love it. Especially, it's just very escapist. And... I really enjoy watching how he unfolds a story. Um, So coming off of seeing Fantastic Mr. Fox, I was so pumped for Isle of Dogs. Um, And I was excited to see what Wes was going to come up with next.
1: Yeah, uh, for me, you know, I have a kind of a love-hate relationship with Wes Anderson. Mm -hmm. There was a period of time where my favorite film of his was Fantastic Mr. Fox, and I was kind of hot and cool on some of his other films. For me, the style, the aesthetic, yeah, it's cool, but that only takes it so far from me. Um, Have you seen, like, this parody thing that's on the internet from Honest Trailers where they kind of make fun of every Wes Anderson film? No. No. Oh, definitely watch it when you get a chance. Uh, what they do is they basically do kind of a—I mean, that's their—that's their shtick. It's called honest trailers, and okay. they talk about how, um, in a very honest and you know open dialogue fashion, how pretty much every Wes Anderson film is exactly the same and follows the exact same formula, and they all share like very similar uh, characteristics of one another, not just in terms of the aesthetic, but in terms of how he writes his stories as well. Oh, mm-hmm. so. I think that's part of the reason why his films don't always work for me. There's got to be something in there that I'm just not clicking with. And because it seems to carry over into a lot of his other movies, there there might be a fundamental uh, flaw there for me. I don't know what it is just yet, but I just know that there's kind of this detached style that sometimes I'm just not able to gravitate towards. Yeah. So for the longest time, Fantastic Mr. Fox was my favorite film of his, precisely because I thought that his aesthetic lent itself very uniquely to the world of stop-motion animation. And mm-hmm. I thought it was the perfect marriage of filmmaker to artistry. And I I mean, like, if Up had not come out that year, Wes Anderson would be an Oscar winner for Fantastic Mr. Fox. You know, let's be real right. here. Right. But unfortunately, it had to go up against up that year and it is, you know, the rest is history. Then Grand Budapest Hotel came out and that's probably my favorite live action Wes Anderson film. Um, large part of it is because of the performance by Ray Fines, the cinematography, the music by Alexandra Desplat. So there's a lot of great elements in there that I really appreciated. So heading into Isle of Dogs, I was thinking to myself, oh, man, Fantastic Mr. Fox was great. Uh, Moonrise Kingdom was pretty, pretty solid. Um, I wasn't as high on it as many others were, but I thought it was good. Mm -hmm. And Grand Budapest Hotel was like a new high for me. So I'm thinking, wow, I really can't wait to see him revisit stop animation with Isle of Dogs and to see what he's come up with. And as I'm looking at Isle of Dogs, you know, before I walk into the building even to see the movie. I check, and I see that it's 101 minutes, which is on the longer side for an animated film. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I also noticed that it's PG-13, which says to me, okay, so this is definitely going to be something that's more geared towards adults and not necessarily children. So that was really my setup for Isle of Dogs walking in. Now, let's get to the nitty and gritty. JC? What did you ultimately think of Isle of Dogs? (laughs)
2: Um, I So when I went into Isle of Dogs, it had obviously had its limited release, and I was really looking forward to it, um, especially after writing about the movie Dogs. I just really like Dogs, Matt. It's just, I don't, it's just, they're so great. And so I loved the premises of this movie. Um, I'd heard some interesting things about, you know, um, appropriation, and which I'm sure we'll talk about later on. But mm-hmm. I, I went to the movie two nights ago and I took my mom and it was her first time ever seeing any stop motion movie ever. And she didn't really know what that meant. So I was trying to explain to her how stop motion was made and how time consuming it is. And um, it's very like painstaking to get through the creating process. And so... Watching that, I had a very special experience watching the movie because my mom was shell-shocked by the end of it. She was amazed because she was watching it and then realizing all the time, like the scene where they're cutting sushi or making sushi and so she just loved it so much and it was so special to me um which I think kind of gave me an extra little boost a high boost on it because I got to be so excited with her about it and her experiencing it for the first time as like an overall just general moviegoer and so when I left the theater I was so um pleased with it I loved the I loved the storytelling. I loved the character development. Wes Anderson's um, style of humor sits really well with me. I really it really lends itself to my style my sense of humor. And oh, so yeah, yeah, I yeah. Always I think so think, too.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love when the dogs do that. They're just like, you know, all of them are like overlapping in terms of like, Oh yeah, sure, no problem, yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. <laughs> That, that is like the funniest, in terms of humor, and all of those moments where like Jeff Goldblum, Edward Dorton, and Bill Murray, and a bunch of them are just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: Did you hear that rumor? Did you hear the rumor? Did you hear the rumor?
1: Oh, oh, oh. I know what you mean now. I was like, wait, what rumor?
2: <laughs> it's so great. And then there's there's a scene where they get into a fight over food, the brawl, and then-
1: Oh, so funny
2: there's a dog who gets a a piece of his body taken off and then Chief just kicks it. And it just, I cracked. I laughed out loud in the theater and I was the only one laughing. And that happened to me so many times in this movie where there's more kind of grotesque moments that if they were made live action would be very kind of macabre. And I was just cracking up. And I think that's something I just like so much about this movie was that it was sort of so insane it just there's just so many crazy things happening in this movie that i just really loved
1: oh yeah bitten off ears um shrapnel getting lodged into a young boy's head there's that kidney transfer <laughs> scene which goes on i think maybe for a little too long but um <laughs> yeah this film Definitely kind of gets its PG-13 rating for a bit of violence in there. Although it's funny to me how there's so many moments in the film where the dogs get into like scrap fights... And instead Mm -hmm. of visually showing the intricacies of, like, fight choreography, there's just this, like, this dust cloud. (laughs) Cloud. Yeah, and you just see the limbs, like, popping in and out of the (laughs) cloud as they're all, like, tussling together. And they're all, like, rolling around (laughs) doing God knows what. But it's also, too, um, a very unique and um, brilliant way to hide... Mm-hmm. What surely would have been hours, days, weeks of extra work to stop mm-hmm. motion animate, heavily choreographed. Um, I don't want to say fight scenes, but you know, dog oh, scraps.
2: Yeah. I, was he using like <laughs> cotton balls for that? I feel. Oh, like... definitely had to have been. Ah, oh, it was so great. I just, that was, that's that's one of my favorite things about watching Wes Anderson's stop motion films is trying to figure out what sort of objects he, like when there's, what's the dog's, he's like the oracle, not the little pug, but the other one. I don't remember his name. He's like a big black, like, I don't know, Bernie's dog. And he's got like a real eye and then a glass eye that's very matte. And I was just trying to figure out If he found, like, matte marbles, I just don't know how... I'm so intrigued by the person who has to go out and buy all the props for these kinds of movies. Like, where do they go? Like, Hobby Lobby?
1: (laughs) From a design aesthetic uh, standpoint, you know, in terms of the production design, the costumes, the visual overall look of the film itself, while... I prefer the warm nature of Fantastic Mr. Fox a little bit more. Personally, there is no denying that Wes Anderson has learned from his experience on Fantastic Mr. Fox and continued to push more boundaries in terms of um, the design of this film, the little little tiny minute details that could be added into um, the production design especially. It's little things that your eye may not even catch and some but what's really cool though is that because uh, Anderson is a fan of um, fixating the camera in a very, very still um, single frame shot, it's gonna help one day when we can just you know watch it at home, press pl- uh, pr- press pause and look for the little details and really appreciate the level mm-hmm. of craft that went into making this film because there were times where I was watching it and I was just thinking to myself, My God, I can't even imagine what these animators must have had to go through because I know I don't even know how they managed to pull off some shots. I I don't know how, like I need to watch more behind the scenes video uh, footage because Mm -hmm. this stuff is just so fascinating to me and there's so few of it um, released every single year. Uh, We only get a few films a year that are stop motion generally. So VR form is one that's barely 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 holding on and it's nice to see someone as prolific as wes anderson try to keep it alive definitely but anytime we can see more behind the scenes uh footage of how these are actually made um it, it gives us a window into an artistry that is just so fascinating to watch i mean did you see kubo into two strings
2: no i haven't seen that yet
1: oh my lord that's a never stop motion film i very very much recommend uh checking out just for its amazing artistry. It's digital trickery in terms of how it utilizes visual effects with the animation and how they were wow. able to pull off certain shots because that's how I felt watching Isle of Dogs where I'm like, okay, I see the camera's going this way. I see that the one dog is moving that way but the other dog is running perpendicular to that one that way and that means that you know the timing is, it's all about timing and you're saying to yourself, right. as an animator, how do you get two things to move at two different speeds while the camera's moving at another speed altogether and it's just
2: like it's headache inducing oh
1: my lord exactly they
2: probably had so much advil on site at all times (laughs) they were just cycling through medicine (laughs) every few hours
1: i i have so much respect for them i have a tremendous amount of respect
2: oh absolutely there there's there was just one type of shot that they would do that kind of would give me a little bit of, like, a dizziness factor when when they would slide the cameras from one scene to another really fast. And so the, the set work, obviously, it would look basically like if you're driving, you know, and you were to just, like, stare out the car and nothing else was moving. So it looks like it's going by really fast. Do you know what I'm talking about? Those shots mm-hmm. were hard to digest for my eyes
1: meanwhile your mom is probably watching and she's just like oh this is really neat
2: (laughs) it was i know it was matt it was so that's one of my i love being able to introduce people who you know because movies are very important to me and you and this community and and i'm sure to so many of our listeners and so i love when people who are just like they see maybe 10 movies in the theater a year you know and you can introduce them to something that they've never heard of or seen or experienced and the fact that it brought her so much joy made me feel grateful for the art form again because sometimes you see so many movies that you forget that the point is to do that and she and seeing her just glow talking about it reminded me of some of my favorite movie going experiences. And I just think if anybody can sort of accomplish that with a person who doesn't see that many movies, then, you know, well, job, well, job, well done job to you, (laughs) like, nicely done.
1: Um, So we've talked about the design aesthetic. Um, We've talked uh, about the feeling that one gets while watching this. I mean, the title of the film is Isle of Dogs. And if you say it very fast, you basically get the phrase, I love dogs. So for those who Mm -hmm. are dog lovers, there's certainly a lot to appreciate with this. With that said, I do have a few complaints, actually. (gasps) Yeah, I do. Sorry. Um, First among them. The film is broken up into parts, you know, there's the little Mm -hmm. pilot, there's the search for spots, Um, there's, I think, what, four parts in the entire film, I believe?
2: Four parts, yeah.
1: Right. And this is a common thing I noticed with um, Wes Anderson in a lot of his movies is there's kind of this, in terms of just narrative momentum and sense of pacing, there's like this stop and go nature to everything that's happening on screen, um, and I do think a lot of that has to do with the pauses that mm. happen in the dialogue scenes a lot, where a character will say something, there is a pause, and then there is a retort. Um, and there are times where I just, I, I sometimes can't get on board with the groove of the film that it's trying to set. Okay. You know what I'm saying? The pacing. Yeah.
2: The pacing is a little bit too back and forth for you.
1: That, and I also do feel that the film at 101 minutes is a little bit on the longer side, ultimately, mm-hmm. you know?
2: What do you think does that? So, I mean, what do you think it is about an, an animated film that makes a longer runtime harder to sit through than a live action? Um, I think it's
1: sometimes uh, that we're just looking at something that's not reflective of the real world. Mm-hmm. And what our eyes actually see. Mm-hmm. That would probably be the biggest thing for me. And I think there's only so long that that style can hold our attention spans for.
2: Yeah, that's true. I don't, I didn't really, I just, I just love sitting in movie theaters. So I didn't yeah. really mind the, the, the runtime. I mean, I will say I this, mean, the,
1: the voice cast definitely kept me engaged throughout. Like I was said before, Edward Norton and uh, a bunch of the other dogs um, are definitely entertaining. Brian Cranston is the lead of the film. And I mean, I mean, Brian Cranston, you know, what else can be said about the guy? You know, if if you've ever seen Breaking Bad, you know that he's a legend Mm -hmm. pretty much within the industry. And he definitely has um, the perfect voice for playing um, the lead character chief in this movie who starts off as a stray dog with uh, very, very little heart, but then turns into, um, you know, this lovable uh, guard dog, a guard dog. Who Garth, is Garth. yeah right is loyal <laughs> and um also too is able to melt your heart um I think by the oh, end yeah. in many ways so I like that character arc that he undergoes and I think Brian Cranston's able to sell it very well from the times that he's angry and tough to the times where he's vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I also think too uh, another uh, voice actor in the film who I think is really really phenomenal in the scenes that she has, but. I still don't understand, like, what her character is doing in the film. I do think in terms of, like like I was saying before, momentum, I do feel that it's like a side story that, yeah, the film could have just done without. It's Greta Gerwig. Um, oh, really? Plays, oh,
2: Tracy. Yeah, oh.
1: uh, Tra- Tracy, yeah, who plays the uh, – Greta Gerwig plays the foreign exchange student.
2: I was going to ask you about her.
1: Yeah, I think, I think Greta Gerwig gives her a tremendous amount of life, fire, and energy to all of the scenes that she's in, but – I really don't like I, I don't buy the whole she has a crush on Atari and mm-hmm. that's I, I don't a little know. extra.
2: Yeah, I I did, will say yeah. that there there was so much talk of her playing sort of the white savior role in this film. And and I and I can under, I can see where that's coming from, but at the same time, um, if you notice, I mean the actual heroes end up being Atari. And, you know, another um, one of Tracy's colleagues that ends up... I don't know if that's a spoiler or not. I guess I won't say it, but it's... No, that's fine. So they're both, I mean, and then Tracy gets, you know... I don't... I'll just stop talking here. (laughs) Uh, Well, I'll I'll continue
1: by saying that, you know, Scarlett Johansson uh, gives a lot to the character uh, Nutmeg... Uh, mm-hmm. Tilda Swinton, uh, as Oracle, uh, you hadn't mentioned, uh, earlier, um, the voice casting in this, uh, is definitely on point. I mean, hell, Francis McDormand, who plays the interpreter, uh, hysterical, right. really, really, oh, really so entertaining to listen to and to watch, but then that introduces another problem with the movie, and that is the, the, the need for interpreters. Uh, the film starts off with the disclaimer that the Japanese characters, are going to speak in their native tongue and there is not going to be any subtitles okay now i can understand maybe the way that this was going in wes's mind is the dogs speak perfect english And the idea is we're supposed to be on the side of the dogs and we're supposed to relate to the dogs and we're supposed to understand their emotions and so on and so forth. Where if the dogs did not have English voice actors and it was just, you know, whatever, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: then (laughs) how do you tell that story? And I almost feel like what Wes Anderson wanted to do is he wanted to flip it. He wanted us to not be able to understand the humans and wanted us to understand the animals instead Um, which is an interesting choice, but a, like I was saying before, I do feel it hurts the pacing of the film where you have these scenes where Wes Anderson is trying to tell the story in visuals, because we can't understand the dialogue. Um, but it's not working. And instead my brain started to shut off a bit during those scenes and those moments where unless if we did get um, an interpreter or something like that, um, there seemed to be a disconnect from me during those scenes. Do I think it is racist, as some people have called out? Um, I don't think Wes Anderson has bad intentions, if that's what you mean. Mm-hmm. I do feel that there is a xenophobia um uh, you know, theme to the film that he's trying to get at here, and I do feel that there is a bit of um, what's where I'm looking for parody involved. Yeah. Um, where it's he's trying to show um, like he's trying to do a parody of how Americans see this culture. Um, and you can even see that by the names of the characters, like we were saying before, Atari, Kobayashi, you know, so on and so forth. That. It is supposed to make us look inward and look at ourselves and be like, oh, you know, we're definitely doing a disservice to uh, this culture and representation in the media. But I don't think he helps either. You know what I mean? It's not he's trying not to hurt it, but it's also not helping. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, I I agree with what you're saying about um, looking inward and trying to sort of have a reflection of how the American society views uh Japanese culture. However, I'm gonna disagree with you um regarding sort of certain appropriation aspects and I'm and I have to thank um I'm gonna butcher this person's name, but I'm I have to thank Moko Fuji from The New Yorker for this. And if you haven't read this article, I I, suggest giving it a giving it a look through because it really gave me a different perspective on my sit-through because originally I agreed with you and and I thought that it was an interesting choice to not translate any of the Japanese voice actors unless it was for a specific purpose and have, you know, English, American, for the most part, actors playing the dogs. And I read this article though and it really enlightened me. Um, because it's, it's basically... It's written as somebody who was born and raised in Japan. And when they saw... When they sat through the film, what they got from the movie was that... Um, Wes Anderson is basically... Trying to send a message about how translation is malleable. And, and how they actually appreciated the fact that... That the characters weren't um, translated. Because it... It lent itself to how it, um, a really good example he used was that Tracy Tracy speaks in English to the Japanese people in a scene where there's where the mayor is present and they speak back to her in Japanese. They expect her to understand their language and not vice versa. So it's almost like a story that's I think is almost is a homage to that culture. And reading the article just. I, Showed me things I I obviously would have never known anything about um, the culture and what I missed having not spoken the language, um, which is unfortunate. But at the same time, you think about all of the movies that we release in English that you know we expect other cultures and and people to understand. Because it's an English-speaking movie, um, but and they, what but I, they and do I,
1: though. I mean, the the foreign box office responds more positively to American films than even Americans do financially speaking, mm-hmm. at least if the, you know if you're going by the numbers. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of it is kind of weird how um, I don't I, I don't even know if it's like we forced are I guess yeah I guess that is what it is we've like forced our culture upon other cultures but we're so reluctant to allow other cultures to uh, allow their own uh stories onto us you know what I mean right and you know I also find this um, the language piece interesting because um one thing that I kind of do like about it is you know you're talking about um, how we're expected to understand and how when we say something to someone else we expect them to understand. What is that like when we're trying to communicate to dogs in the English language when they don't speak mm-hmm. a word of English? You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I, I think that there's, uh, I think there's something there in terms of what Wes Anderson might be getting at and how we um, also treat animals. You know what I mean?
2: Right. Yeah. There's so many themes in this film that I just feel like are very layered, and um, it's it really is a story about you know language in so many different forms and whether we're understanding it or not and you know how we see it from an American background versus how somebody who is born in Japan might watch the film and and see it and definitely in regards to the animals, I mean there's so many there's been so much go on in, in terms of how we have, We've treated animals in the past and how we communicate with them. And, and, it, and what I love so much about Atari is that he never yells at the dogs to get them to do what he wants. He might be very stern at first, but then like the third time he says something, it's very quiet. Like he's really asking. He's being gentle with them. And I appreciated that versus other people who, you know, would scream at the dog and like kick them away or something I just I, I liked how he communicated with the animals in the film
1: yeah I, and I definitely like that there is um, a message too in how we we do treat animals um, mm-hmm. and how poorly we, we can treat animals as well um, but at the end of the day um, dog is man's best friend
2: it's true it's true and they do they do so much for us and they and they're so loyal they really are i mean it's you know they've been a a scene that just really really um spoke to me is when atari crashes and the dogs are trying to decide if they should help him or not and all in favor say aye 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 nay (laughs) but hey they they help him you know because they realize that he's the only person who's come for any of them and they don't know this kid they could have easily eaten him as a way to avenge their situation but their first instinct is to help this kid find his dog and you know it's just it's so pure dogs are just so pure
1: that's why we love them i love dogs all right, JC. <laughs> Let's get over into final thoughts. Great out of 10, Oscar potential. Take it away.
2: I love this movie. I really do. I think it's I think it's great. I think that there are some um fine lines that may or may not have been crossed and and it's just really such a personal um, Such so a personal viewing experience, and and I can completely understand where people would be coming from if they felt like their culture had been appropriate in this film, or if they felt like this film was a homage to their culture. Um, so there's definitely a lot of gray area that gray area there that I can appreciate. Um, and overall, I gotta give this movie a 9 out of 10. I It's my favorite movie of 2018 so far. Um, I loved the storytelling. I loved how developed the personalities of the dogs were because, you know, there's been tons of animated films with dogs, but none in this way where they're adults and they have such fleshed out personalities and they're cast by such well-versed, actors who just really really create these like stereotypical characters like the pug who's watching TV all the time and like understands the TV and and I just I so I love um, I just I love the personalities of everyone involved and gosh Oscar potential I think for sure animated feature, one hundred percent. I think it'll get a nod for that. In fact, I'm not really. Sh- I'm guessing it'll really. Its co- main competition would probably be Incredibles too. Am I missing a major animated movie that's coming out this year?
1: Uh, wreck Ralph two could.
2: Oh yeah. 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 That's true. So maybe. Uh, yeah. I mean, it probably won't win, but in a great world, I really. I feel like it should. It's about dogs.
1: I I would love uh, for Wes Anderson to get an Oscar. It'd be really, really nice to see. I thought heading into this that this was going to be the film that would do it for him, but I don't think so anymore. Um, Mm. My grade is a 7 out of 10. Uh, this is not my favorite Wes Anderson film Um, it's not my least favorite Wes Anderson film I do feel that stylistically he is pushing himself more as an artist with this film in terms of um, the visual design of this movie and also the voice acting cast definitely lends a lot of energy to the proceedings however um, I do have problems with the pacing I do have some questions Mm -hmm. about um, the manner in which Wes Anderson tells the story Um, going back to things that we were talking about before in terms of a xenophobia, and so on and so forth. And with that said, I don't know then if this can sustain itself all the way since this is so early in the year to a Best Animated Mm -hmm. Feature win. I think even a nomination is going to be tough. It can happen, and I do think it will, but I'm less sure about it. Um, It definitely has its fans out there, and there is a way that I could see it carrying its way through to a win, but then there were some people out there who... It's interesting because even like the film's uh, biggest critics, I don't think deep down that they actually hate the movie. I just think they have some reservations and some questions about it. Um, I haven't heard anyone exactly say I hate this movie you know I mean mm-hmm. there is a charming lovable whimsical and idiosyncratic odd flavor to this movie that you can't help but look at it and just be like yo for for all of its uh, quirks um, there, There is something to like in this for almost everybody, um, even if there are some things that you don't like. So, I don't know. It, it's definitely one of the question marks uh, for me as we head into uh, the new awards season. And so, with that said, 7 out of 10 Oscar potential best animated feature only, although... Personally speaking, from a production design standpoint, I really, really love uh, the work that they've done with this movie and just the overall look of it. Um, Wes Anderson has a style that still lends itself extremely well to stop motion animation. What I'd like to see next from him, seeing as how fantastic Mr. Fox was animal-based and Isle of Dogs, um, obviously the main characters are dogs, I would like to see maybe a more human-centric story told by Wes Anderson in this format next. Mm. Animals lend themselves very well to animation because the fur uh, has kind of a lifelike quality to it as it moves uh, between... You know the the, the shots that they take for each still frame uh shot, and so there is um a quality to it that feels very lifelike. But I would like to see Wes Anderson continue to push himself in this um in this art form, and vice versa, uh, push the art form itself forward as well, because it is an art form that is kind of on its last leg to a certain degree, um, and mm-hmm. I would like to see it continue to be uh, revitalized, kept alive as time goes on. So, with all that said, JC. Matt. Where can they find you on the internet?
2: You can find me over on the Twitter at JC Aldridge or at my website, aldridgeentertainment.com, and I'm just going to say that these two little pups in the background here Are telling everyone to go see Isle of Dogs. That's what they're saying. You just can't hear them because they don't have English subtitles or video to see them even. Anyways, where can they find you, Matt?
1: Woof. They can find me at Next Best Picture on all of the social media networks. Thank you so much everyone for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast review of Isle of Dogs. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Player, FM and on CastBox. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Nothing less than five stars is acceptable. However, we always appreciate your feedback and support. So let us know what we can improve upon, what you like about the show. And as always, we will see you all next time.